नमस्ते टुडे एज वी नो इज द महाशिवरात्रि डे एंड इट इज सेलिब्रेटेड इन इंडिया एज द डे ऑफ द मैरिज ऑफ शिवा एंड पार्वती इट इज ऑल्सो सेलिब्रेटेड इन एज द डे वेन शिवा टुक पॉइजन बट द मोर कॉमन एस्पेक्ट विच इज बिलीव्ड ट्रेडिशनली इज द डे वेन शिवा एंड पार्वती आर वेडेड so it's very interesting that why are they wedded on a day which is uh, just before the new moon it's it's a day of utter darkness that's how it is shivaratri mahashivaratri so um, we get a clue in one of shirbindo's uh, poems about shiva now it is named differently but in the sbcl you will see the name as shiva the inconscient creator hey now it is just shiva the inconscient creator part is gone so basically uh, and the mother reveals this secret in a very interesting way uh, the, when a card was shown to her of um, shivlingam then she saw the card hutadi and then she saw and said this is the marriage of shiva and shakti of the divine and material nature it is the divine soul and material nature so the same power the divine shakti she has gone and become absolutely unconscious inconscient that's the story in the bride of brahman that she goes away and she completely enters into the material nature inconscient she becomes completely oblivious of her own origin and then the reverse journey begins she has taken the plunge for this very purpose and then the reverse journey begins step by step but here shobindo describes the poem we are going to read how she starts the journey back so this is the beautiful part of that poem but the background of the story as we know is that uh, shiva's marriage is initially to shati sati is his own shakti which has gone into creation and she is born to daksh prajapati daksh prajapati is one of those form makers and he is the one he is a prajapati so like the king he has set rules and norms for this world for creation now on one side there are rules and norms which uh, people must adjust to creation must adjust to you know through yagna he has given a portion to everybody but shiva is beyond norm and form this is the problem the story symbol though the story is revealed in a very picturesque way that he gets very angry because shiva prajapati is brahma's son and shiva has cut off one of brahma ji's head that story itself is very interesting thus we can go back to the story but there will be too many stories i suppose but the story goes that um, you know when shiva loses the shakti then he is uh, he has lost his own shakti so it is he becomes void of power so brahma ji wants to bring him back to his uh, work and he says no i am nobody he himself becomes the plunge of the purusha into the material nature he too goes there as a diminished soul shobindo describes this in savitri then brahma ji tries many things but brahma and vishnu but he doesn't come back so what he does is he just to awaken him how do you awaken a person strength by challenging him by his most extreme this is the strategy which the divine also uses he'll take you to an extreme where your hidden force which was submerged suddenly awakens because of the extreme contrast so brahma ji with his four heads he brings out um, the vedas but with the fifth head he says something which contradicts it opposes it which again a deeply symbolic story now you see why there is this mutual opposition and resistance through which the game you know of evolution begins now that is what shiva responds to when there is opposition so he picks up the slayer of uh, demons he picks up his trishul and uh, takes away that head of brahma ji this is one part of the story the other is of course another story legend in which brahma is one of the heads is gone but this story is a very interesting story so then he awakens to his own purpose and he is in his abode but now he is gone to his abode alone he had come here in pursuance of shakti which has gone into material nature so at first prajapati tells her because prajapati knows that she is the divine mother and if she marries shiva it will disturb the balance of creation so you see in india you have these two gods both uh, are great powers one is shiva and the other is krishna 
Shiva takes you out of creation. So, you know, always this Bhumi, Shamshan Bhumi, Bhasm and all that, inaccessible summits. With Krishna, he takes through the evolutionary march of mankind. So, where will you find Krishna amongst opulence in Dwarka? He will be on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. Right in the middle and thick of life, Krishna is there. Or he will be playing his flute, calling everybody. But Shiva will be on the summits of creation. Or he will be from the place where you know you leave your body. So, he is the giver of moksha. That's how it goes. Many legions of Shiva, but we will just uh, touch upon some of them. So, now the problem is that Shakti has to come back. So, right now she is born to Prajapati as one of his daughters and he knows that, you know, she is the spouse of Shiva. So, but if she wets to Shiva, then creation will be dismantled, so to say. So, she try, he tries every which way to make sure she doesn't meet Shiva. But, ultimately, she finds her way or rather Shiva finds his way and then a whole series of events follow circumstances and eventually she is in deep love, passionate love with Shiva and Shiva tries, tests but eventually gives in and the two got, get married. But this is an unhappy marriage. So this marriage as we know ends up with a great um, tragedy and the tragedy is that though Sati and Shiva are married, Shiva tells Sati that you know one of the things is that she should listen to him. And then there comes a dilemma in Sati's life when Daksha Prajapati invites her to a yagna but not Shiva. Because he wants to give the share of the yagna to all the gods but not Shiva. So Shiva tells her better don't go. Because it's not a good thing to go. Outwardly you will see like a husband stopping his wife that you know I am not invited. But the story is far deeper. But eventually she goes. And she goes and Shiva is not called and she feels very hurt, tormented. She tells him why have you done it and he calls names and eventually Sati invokes the fire and in that Yagnamedi she plunges and dies. And then Shiva comes, the Yagya is destroyed, the whole... Uh, Prajapati is uh, beheaded and then his head is transplanted with the goat's head behind and then Shiva carries the body of Sati and roams the quarters in utter grief. Just quickly the story. Now when he roams in the quarters in grief so Lord Vishnu sees now this is another problem. Now you know without Shiva <laughs> so Shiva is to be brought back. So he quietly follows behind and with the Sudarshan Chakra cuts the different parts of Sati till 51 parts fall all over India and of course even in Baluchistan, modern Baluchistan. So India's spiritual map was decided long, long back. <laughs> so something even possibly in Afghanistan, even by the way in Australia also they say one Jyotirling is there. But anyways, these 52, 51 or 52 parts we can say of Sati fall all around. It constitutes the map of India if you look at it in a certain sense. And um, then Shiva realizes that now she is no more, the slain is gone and he goes into trance and merges into deep, deep uh, trance of bliss, ecstasy. Shiva is all alone. Now this is the first part of the story of Shiva's life where Sati is Avidyamai Maya. She is also the divine mother but in her ignorance form of ignorance. This story in Ramayana is shown in a different way when Mata Sita uh, gives herself to fire and then the first sign of ignorance is when Lord Rama has told her, uh, don't let me chase this Maya Marik because it may be an Asura who is concealing himself. But because she has started the Leela and given herself to fire, she says, no, 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 you please go. And So she doesn't listen to Rama, the divine being, and he goes. And then Lakshmana says, no, no, nobody can kill Rama. And then she pushes him and he goes. And we know the rest is history. So there are two poises of the same divine mother. One divine mother. And this has implications in transformation also. One is her poise as the ignorant lower nature. Where she is ignorant of her Lord though she seeks him always. And even when she finds, she doesn't fully obey the Lord. And the other where it's a form as knowledge, vidya. Which is oneness. Vidya is about oneness. Where she is one with the Lord through a tapasya. So this is the difference. In ignorance, she still seeks Shiva. The ignorant nature also seeks the divine. But with the heart's passions it clutches. But there is no purification which has taken place. There is no tapas. So even when she finds, it doesn't 
fructify in anything fruitful it doesn't last the union doesn't last so this is the first part of the story where, where ignorance in nature we seek now this story has implication in shobindu's own yoga because somebody asked him but the divine mother is everything she does all so she is also in um, see everything so we accept everything that happens as uh, coming from the mother he says yes but you must learn to differentiate the mother in the lower nature and the mother in the higher nature so you have to reject the one the mother in ignorance and go forward to the mother in the higher supernature she has embodied herself for this so sati dies now she doesn't die but she enters into the flames of purification where not only her inner soul but even a bodily parts it's right the physical body's ego that too must completely dissolve and then out of the flames who is born she is reborn as parvati but now the story takes a different turn and she is born to the as the daughter of the mountains now see this is a story very clearly of the union of material nature with a divine being when it comes to lord narayana and lakshmi vishnu and lakshmi lakshmi's origin though later on she goes into the ocean and comes from there but still belonging to the subtle worlds brahma and saraswati belong to the subtle world subtle world means world of the gods but mother parvati she was consort she is born to material nature in its peaks so himalaya himavan shailabala we have already spoken about the entire tapasya of um, mother parvati the whole kundalini process so we will not go into that detail but essentially she engages in tapas where shiva himself comes as the guru she is seeking shiva but he becomes the guru and he that's how he is known as adi yogi or adi guru and slowly he starts the process of awakening her and there are very interesting episode in that tale very very fascinating stories that there is a place where she again meets with extreme challenge and her strength comes out always adversity brings out the best within us then there is another story we'll see often she was dancing as nataraj with that demon below his feet now this story also is a bearing with the yoga of transformation because in that story the demon is called apsmar apsmar literally means unconsciousness mother speaks of the four asuras and one of them is unconsciousness so what he does when he uh, does the maya then we become unconscious and it is through the door of unconsciousness the mother says falsehood enters so very often people don't know how it has entered and later on they are besieged death falsehood they all enter but who is the first asura who goes and uh, opens the door it is unconsciousness that's also the symbol of the trojan horse they are not conscious that what is hiding inside the you know wooden horse so the door opens through unconsciousness we don't know we say that's why mother says best preparation for yoga is become conscious what does she mean become conscious of your motives we don't know that we we give always a very nice neat justification but hidden behind it there are unconscious motives through which falsehood and death enter so she starts engaged in a tapasya now when apsmar comes this interesting story shiva manages to tame him with his um you know damru and the nad but he cannot kill him he cannot dissolve him he cannot transform him so the asura says i will submit below means by tapasya there is a poem of shirbindo yogi on the whirlpool you can manage to keep the forces of unconsciousness and darkness below and rise over it but they are not transformed that's why yogis observe lot of precautions in traditional yoga because if they come into the world they, it's very difficult so they will observe many layers like even in the dress and everything so that they are safe because if you engage in the world this apsmar is active he is not dead he is like the virus who is in the system half uh, you know unconscious but uh, as shubindu said it it's like a potential <laughs> you know dark and dangerous principle which is always there so that has to be transformed if one has to lead a divine life upon earth so we have the line of shiva and of course shiva's famous story we know is drinking of the poison when there is sagar manthan so sagar manthan is basically it there is a churning which goes on in the world constantly so when you churn first before you deserve the amrit you have to be ready to swallow the poison otherwise you cannot deserve the amrit so in tantra you have the first tantric state is when you worship pashupati shiva is the lord of animals means you have to tame the animal in you and then comes 
Gopala. The animals are tamed and they change into nice cute cows which are light. So first when you tame the animal then light is released from the caves. The same story in Rig Veda. Caves of the Panis from where they are released. And then they will be useful for going further. So there are many many such hints and symbols. So Mother Parvati finally unites with Shiva. So she is material nature which climbs rung after rung till she finally unites with Shiva. So the mother has said that Shiva is the Lord of transformation. He not only destroys, he has to destroy the ego without which you cannot have transformation. With regard to mother, there are very interesting stories about um, Shiva and Shurabindo. See, we all know about Shurabindo and Krishna. But there is an aspect of Shiva which is very prominent in Shurabindo. In one of his poems, The One Self, Shurabindo writes, But Shiva and Krishna are a single God. In us too, Shiva wrestles with the world's grief. So wherever there is pain, suffering, Shiva comes and he drinks ultimately the poison. So after some time when human beings go through it, they eventually are freed of that. It's a stage. Huh? Karela, before the Mithai. Then he says, in us too, Shiva struggles with the world's grief. In us too, Krishna seeks for sweetness and joy. When you have struggled with the world's grief, taken the challenge of life, then you are ready for Krishna's cup of nectar, of joy and sweetness. Otherwise, one is not ready. So sometimes people want to escape. You can't escape this law, the dread law of the way. First face Shiva. So how do you face? If you are a godlike being, Ashutosh. If you are a Tapasvi, Ashutosh. If you approach him with submission, Ashutosh. The giver of boons. If you approach him like the terror striking demons, because they are followers of might. Why do all the demons go to Shiva? They don't worship anything except force. Krishna is too sweet for them, not realizing that he hides within him the dreadful force of Kali. They don't know it. In fact, it is said that a very interesting story where Kali and Shiva, uh, they are moving around and uh, Shiva, she says that I, Shiva says that I understand so much you have taught me. She tells Kali, this is a tantric scripture where you learn from the Shakti. But you know, I don't understand what surrender is. So he says, okay, in next incarnation, I'll be born a man and you be a woman. Then you will understand what surrender is. You have to be a woman to understand. So Kali becomes Krishna. On the battlefield of Mahabharata, see? Shama and Shama. So Shivinda speaks of Krishna and Kali together in many of his aphorisms. So Kali becomes Krishna. And then also he is there in, she is there in Draupadi. And then Shiva becomes Radha. That's how the Mahabhagavat Puran will tell you this story. So, Shiva becomes Radha, docile, Ashutosh, teach me. But Krishna knows who she he is or she is. So, he bows down at her feet. So, this is the story of Shiva and Krishna. Together they are one God. And in fact, Shobindo takes it that there are originally four aspects of the one. And each of these gods represents an aspect of the one and each is an absolute in his own right. So what are the four aspects? We know the three. Satchidanand. So you have Sat which is sheer existence. You have Chit which Shurabindu speaks of Chit Tapas which means consciousness and force. And we have Ananda or delight. So Brahma is infinite existence. That's why he can create, create, create. He creates existences. Infinite, no population limits. And who fills them with life and ties them in one common thread? Vishnu is infinite consciousness. He has the knowledge that holds all of them together. That's why it's given to Vishnu not to create but to sustain the balance. Consciousness is the thread that runs through the warp and woof of creation. So his work is to maintain the balance of dharma. Lord Vishnu, that's why he embodies each creature as Narayana. So that is the second. And then force. But when creation reaches a point where, like Brahma, 
there is the opposition to the vedas the secret knowledge the, the vedas are the secret knowledge within creation so adharma literally means going against that secret truth it's not about uchcharan karna in the wrong way that's a very literal interpretation but there is a secret knowledge like the law of sacrifice you cannot live only for yourself selfishness if lot of people start doing it like the arrogant asuras then you are leading creation towards the it's off balance because it's never meant to be like that the law of sacrifice is build the worlds if you try to oppose it either you will be smashed or creation will go into pralaya if the majority of mankind is like that so when creation goes into that mode then shiva dances the famous tandava and there is utter destruction but along with shiva parvati dances and creates the new creation lasya and then when there is destruction these are the three aspects and then sachidanand ananda you see ananda is very interesting this is the ananda of creation this is the ananda of the journey of evolution this is the ananda of destruction in all of them it is delight which is pervading the entire you see people who engage in war and all there is a joy in that joy of sacrifice joy of so delight is all pervasive it is at the beginning of creation it's the delight which entered into creation so we have these four aspects which is brahma vishnu shiva and krishna and each of them in their own right are absolute in their highest self so you will have shiva and mahashiva or param shiva call him whatever so like that each one you can take as vishnu and mahavishnu but this is the fundamental um thing now sure bindu reveals this aspect of shiva as both benevolent and force in one of his poems called epiphany we won't be reading that today but it's a wonderful poem where he is benevolent to a default anybody can come to him because he has nothing to do with creation and dualities that's why shiva doesn't go with you're a good guy okay you're a bad guy doesn't matter he is beyond dualities so you he doesn't deal with dualities vishnu is also beyond dualities but he has to deal with dualities but uh, shiva you go and worship him with a belapatra and he says come you have that's enough you have turned to the lord that's enough so he is quick to please but also quick to anger he strikes terror if you approach him with a malevolent intent if behind the surrender there is pride and ambition like ravana he tried to lift the famous you know uh, shiva tandav stroth and all that shiva had to do with his might was press his uh, toe and he is crushed so you have this wonderful aspect of shiva now uh, but demons they understand force they don't understand delight they are gee, you, you want to know whether a person is god like or uh, demon like most of the people who are tuned to the gods they have a happy heart and they are smiling not the fake smile there is the krishna aspect and those who are demonic in nature they are either having a crude laughter which is called a laughter of the asuras very too loud and too frightening or else they are mostly extremely serious grim because they are all the time absorbing the poison of the world it's their unfortunately the bad job they have taken they are also doing a job and that's why shubindu says in savitri and as narada sang the demons wept with joy because they are bearing the cup of grief they are angry you see uh, this a whole political spectrum where when you see them on the screen you don't have to know which side of the spectrum they form they'll be so angry angry at everything for no reason they'll be angry so have you noticed it's that creed so there is a whole demonic whole thing so they worship force and shiva represents force that's why they all pray to shiva but the moment shiva sees that they are coming with a malevolent intent intent he can strike terror out of them he is the lord of force so this is the story of shiva and parvati many many other stories uh, besides and today we'll read um, one of his poems so this this is one epiphany please read it's a wonderful poem i think we have done it in hindi class once so i'm not reading it again one of my favorites epiphany so two aspects of shiva one as the ashutosh benevolent and the other as rudra which destroys who destroys but incidentally 
there is another word which is used for shiva shiva meaning everybody knows the benevolent the all pervasive of course people give their own meanings that's a part another name is sambhu it's a distortion of the word swambhu he is the self born so there are many stories of shiva so this poem is wonderful there is another poem shiva the inconscient creator which now is only titled as shiva it's a, a sonnet and it's another wonderful poem where shiva on the sitting on the summits high and see now what happens when the divine mother as parvati the last story because we'll read about that is the day of their marriage she has to please shiva why she has to be wedded to shiva because there is a demon see how boons carry their own um, advantages very strange boon so he gets a boon from shiva that only your son can kill me so be it shiva is an eternal sanyasi how can he ever marry impossible but destiny has it so mother parvati wants to marry him and uh, this story is also very illustrative so but uh, you know shiva won't come out of his trance she tries everything but no way he is absorbed in his lonely ecstasy why should this ecstasy enter into the ecstasy of multiplicity that's how this ecstasy of the one before it becomes ecstasy of the many so demons are having a field day so enters kamadev vital love so all the gods call him you are the only fellow we can even we you can enslave us says uh, you guys are different but shiva <laughs> to bring him out of trance so this is no please try so as the story goes kamadev and rati they conjure a beautiful space there all the fragrances and everything and then kamadev fires a arrow of love cupid and <laughs> cupid huh? not stupid don't misread me <laughs> often the difference is very little but this arrow of love as it pierces through shiva's heart shiva does wake up see this is interesting story we should not forget it's not that he is not able to shiva does wake up but when he wakes up his third eye opens and destroys kama what happens next is very interesting now rati says he is destroyed now if kama is destroyed this whole world the vital love you see there are two kinds of love one is the love of mahalakshmi which binds creation and it's a beautiful love it is still in the emotional but it can be uplifted to great heights and the divine love which mahakali brings so this love vital is not all bad it's an instrument of expression so he says all creation is about that <laughs> animals plants every rare will be a human being who has you know only in psychic love so creation will be all disembodied it's stopping so shiva says okay okay i make you ananga meaning thereby now you will be in creation as an impersonal force so rati says but i want him embodied also so he says okay when <laughs> he passes the buck to lord vishnu when he comes in krishna avatar then you be born to a daman king and he will be born as aniruddha as the grandson of krishna and then kamadev is born as aniruddha and the two of you will get married now this story is again illustrative because usha usha is you know shobindra has written a little play on that who is usha dawn she is born to a daman banasur so in the demonic consciousness this is the first glitter of light and when there is first glitter of light then love comes as a savior so see love and light come together usha is the first glimmer of light and love so shubindra says in savitri you know love must not cease to live upon earth however disfigured it is still the godhead which by which all can change so it's the marriage of love and light at one level and that destroys the demon's kingdom it has that potential eventually you know Uh, abduction of princess usha shobindra has written about it and uh, niroda uh, i don't know what is his source but he commented that uh, aniruddha was probably shobindra himself and usha was mrilalni devi who got uh, you know whom he was married to this i don't know with authenticity but it's there in niroda's talk but coming back to the story so kamadev becomes anang anang means now no more limbs but it means you have become a wide impersonal force now impersonal force is okay but 
you want impersonal force acts in animals they are very impersonal they don't say oh i love you and i am married to you that animals don't have it's a force which goes around moves plants animals they don't have anything personal and even whatever happens even at the vital level is impersonal they walk away but in human beings there is a need of a personal love now that's where the whole problem comes so now for that personal love to reach to its utmost level which shiva and parvati represents it's the story of the marriage and many people start celebrating marriages whatever celebrating for one day after the <laughs> mahashivratri <laughs> mahashivratri now you see what is it about the ideal couple shiva and parvati are supposed to be but for that ideal couple if you read the tantric text you see the symbol first kama must be destroyed you can't have an ideal personal love between a man and a woman the masculine and the feminine you want to put it like that who are represented as purusha and prakriti and as the man and a woman this uh, attraction between man and a woman is the uh, purusha and prakriti mother herself has said this and shobinda has spoken of it that it comes from ishwara and shakti and it can be transformed but there should be absolutely complete freedom from kama in the form of sexual desire when mother was uh, when shubhendra was asked about the shakti how do you get your shakti because everybody wants shakti and then you know and everybody you start thinking is a shakti <laughs> shubhendra says be careful one in 100 but he says there there are conditions so the disciple says sir please tell the conditions also so shubhendra says he is trying to avoid one can see there's a very interesting conversation he says you know it is very dangerous i don't want to tell <laughs> sir even there is something in the sexual union which can be connected to that yes yes but i don't want to tell you all they you know will misunderstand it but eventually he gives one secret and that secret is complete freedom from sexual impulse if you have desire kama forget about the union of parvati and shiva So first Shiva destroys Kama. It's not an act of anger. He got angry. They saw third eye opening and terrible Shiva. No, he is moved by love. But he says, "This love, you want me and Parvati to unite in this love. This will meet the same end, which happens with, with between me and Sati. I want this love to be restored to its original eternity, and that is the story of Shiva and Parvati. We'll read about that marriage today in another poem." So as I said, first poem is Epiphany. There is another Shiva, the inconscient creator, and there is a third poem, on again named Shiva, and uh, it's on page six zero nine. And we'll read that poem. Shiva. First, Shiva Bindu describes Shiva with his greatness and grandeur. He as a in in the previous poem he describes Shiva as a crimson red point you know before creation people speak about the big bang before that nothingness now that nothingness is concentrated energy on one point and when mother mother had so many experiences with Shiva so one of them she describes he as a uh, red is all crimson red color it's a red because red is very earthly color and it's fire tapasya he is the lord of tapasya. So, because of that tapasya, he is full of that energy of the fire. So, what is tapasya? Tapasya has nothing to do with sitting in a kamandalu, wearing a dhoti, and having a beard. All that is nothing to do with tapasya. Tapasya is literally energy of concentrated spiritual endeavor. That's all tapasya is about. So, what happens when we concentrate any energy? It grows like any fire. So it grows, and a time comes when it grows and has the power. Whatever power you are concentrating upon, whatever aspect tapasya is being conducted, it becomes very powerful. So if you have tapasya of speech, which means I'll always speak the truth, then if once in a while you curse somebody, it will come true. Why? Because you are moved by truth. You are practiced. It can't be like anybody cursing anyone. People often use this, but. you know some rishi was done that if you have practiced tapasya of love your heart will develop that power of love which will have the capacity to move you know this entire creation upward because it it's that you know love is the healing force you have done that tapasya similarly all kinds of tapasya it is concentrated energy but energy of spiritual endeavor when you have done it with the idea of connecting it to the divine then it gathers within it the force and power so that's what tapasya is about and shiva is the tapasvi he likes datura small little incidents when somebody 
offered one datura flower to mother in playground she said oh shiva had come some time back i would have given it to him and we know that you know she asked uh, the gods would often come she has said i know all the gods not only in this tradition other traditions since childhood they would come to her naturally they knew leela so when 1926 just before that the plane of the gods was coming to earth she asked them will you take a human body all of them refused shiva said i will come when there is a supramental creation but i can help you in the process so how can you help i can destroy ego that's how he liberates moksha so this is okay okay other planes the ego has gone but the physical ego is still there annamay kosh she is okay so shiva starts his tandava and the mother experiences all her cells dilating and as if they are dispersing so she goes to shrubindo and says because she has told him without asking shrubindo outwardly now that before she has taken the you know ashram charge after that shrubindo said i am the shakti of shrubindo with a purpose so there she was a mahayogini in her own right so she goes and tells shrubindo you know i have a funny feeling all my cells are as if getting dilated and dispersing shrubindo knew instantly what is happening he said no not yet and everything stopped he could stop the tandav dance of shiva literally it means that the effect of that dance and then much later in 61 she has the same experience and she says shiva had given me that but 61 the physical ego she is now ready to dissolve so these are mysteries which you know we our human mind uh, uh, thinks they are all fantasies but to the gods the life we lead is a fantasy because why it is a fantasy we plan no life will be like this life will be like that and what do the gods say i know i know fantasize there is a very nice aphorism of shirbind uh, of uh, shri ramakrishna he says god laughs on two occasions one when a doctor goes and tells looks at a patient and says i am going to cure you where a god has already decided to take him away and the second is during a marriage when they say we will be forever and god has decided that this is not going to last so we think that is fantasy if you look at it from god's point of view this is fantasy we are all all our plans rational plans are fantasies if you look clearly it is fantasy where does it really follow the logic we have decided the couple stay oath together forever promised how long does the promise last this is the proof that we live in fantasy illusions now i am not going into why these illusions but shiva breaks all illusions that's his task but here in this yoga you don't break illusions you transform illusions into what they represent so what is meant by breaking the illusion illusion is a distortion of a reality that's what how mother explains the difference between shankara and buddha's view and shrubindo's views so shankara and buddha discarded the entire thing it's a illusion it's a, it doesn't and it doesn't need much uh, reading of scriptures to understand i mean if god has created this world well when you look at the world in its appearances it's very far from sat or chit or ananda or anything else the only thing you can at times feel is ananda but that to a little joy very far from that so it is an illusion so shankara and buddha said it's an illusion it's a suffering come out of it shrubindo said it's an illusion but not in the sense of a non existent something it's an illusion in the sense that it's a distortion of a reality like the snake and rope the same thing story that shankara uses to de- describe that it's an illusion he says it means there is something we look at it either as a snake or a rope depending on our standpoint but there is something out there now this world is an illusion in the sense it's a distortion and it must be transformed so in shiva's story we have seen sati the avidyamayi transformed into parvati and shiva is the lord of that transformation because unless our lower nature changes into equivalent of higher supernature things will remain what they are so that's why they are the original replicas of marriage never again created on earth because parvati mata went away to <laughs> the spiritual mount kailash though here she was born in the earth earthly being material nature so shiva 
on the wide summit of eternity a single soul of bare infinities bare infinities each possibility is there but it is not manifested so it's bare love yes it's there has it manifested no it's bare light it's there has it manifested no it's before light is born life possible has it manifested no so bare infinities guarded he keeps by a fire screen of peace you can't know what is lying as possibilities within the infinite why because there is a screen of peace when you go near shiva you get drunk that is not that what people drink here it's the wine of ecstasy soma the last godhead he carries on his head the moon it waxes and wanes moon of course is also spiritual knowledge but also it is soma so this peace and ecstasy the peace is so tremendous is very difficult after that the peace can drown so much the experience can be so overwhelming of that of which nothing can be said that why would one come back and out into the fields of nature and strive it's almost like you don't feel the will to do it everything is absorbed into it. it's a very powerful overpowering experience unless the divine mother wills that you come out you cannot come out of that state it's such a, it's not a ordinary peace that i feel very peaceful in meditation it's a peace that drowns everything around you not only you but scooters human being creatures everybody is in that even your movement your communication it's described in savitri it's it's, it's uh, you know one of the fundamental experiences of yoga everything is so far why would what work if you say that time what are you trying to do you don't know what it means to do it just carries on mechanically why because the body is driven by whatever but there also it doesn't matter to you whether you do or not do that is the state of that peace so it is screened so you don't know you think it is nothing beyond that but all he has held within his mystic loneliness of nude ecstasy that's what so it is that peace and ecstasy of being alone you know that is there inside the heart of shiva but touched by an immense delight to be see this is the story of creation na sadhya sutra where suddenly the divine mother seizes upon him and there is a delight to create so touched by the delight so presence of the lord in his static aspect brings peace and the presence of the divine mother brings ananda because she is the creatrix force the moment there is ananda creation begins and wherever the lord's presence brings peace so if you experience peace that means shurbindo is touched you when you experience the joy of creation new things then the divine mother they are one but two aspects of one reality but touched by an immense delight to be he looks across unending depths and sees musing amid the inconscient silences the mighty mother's dumb felicity why because she has become this inconscient brahmajaya she has entered into the dark inconscient foundation of things that's where she is sleeping he suddenly wakes up and says where is my consort <laughs> so he sees into endless space or rather boundless space endless time where is she where is she in the inconscient is hidden that is the story of the brahmajaya also in the rigveda where the shakti of the lord enters into the utter darkness she is gone there she has become the dark mother diti so there he sees looks for her and finds that she is in the dark inconscient of course that second part is not here in that original story then he says summons the gods but in shiv puran you will find that also you'll find the gods are um, uh, his own children um, kartike and ganesha they will go and start you know waking up the divine mother and she doesn't know she is like an ordinary girl so they come and tell her oh you want to she has this thing about shiva and they will come and start saying they become like ordinary human beings very t- sweet story but the gods must go kartike is fire so the gods must go and awaken and bring her back so the gods when they want to go this not there in the poem but it's worth reading so god say we can go but how will we go alone so shiva out of his heart brings out 
love, the divine mother aspect of love, it is still inside his heart. They take a portion of that love and go inside. And that love crystallizes the psychic being, if you go into that story. And then, with the psychic being as the leader, priest of the sacrifice, the gods guarding him, it's now a seed. So the gods have to guard him, it's their work. But seeing the psychic being, psychic essence, the Divine Mother wakes up and she starts coming. Sri Ramakrishna explains this in a very beautiful way, like a parable. He says, you try to drag a cow, see, whether she will come, you, she can't come. But you just take a calf near the cow and you drag the calf and the cow will follow. The story can be understood in two ways. One is wherever the bhakta is, the Divine Mother is there. The, the other way is that if you awaken the psychic being within you, the Divine Mother will be there with you because it's the child of the Divine Mother. So that is how the story of creation from evolution from dark inconscient to matter, matter to life, to various life forms, to mind and eventually it will go to the next level. Why? Because who is calling her? The evolutionary energy she has to meet the creator. But the difference is that as she goes, she is the divine mother. She will carry everything around. In the typical story of Shiva, it is Shiva who goes to divine mother, Parvati, to get married. And he carries everybody. He says, I can't help it. All creatures belong to me. Bhut, Pishach, Devata, they are all fighting. but They all want to see the marriage. So he says, come along, sir. But no, no your choice. So everybody comes along and the Divine Mother welcomes them. You see that line in Savitri that even the dark deities who leapt from the breast of the one in revolt, they too are safe. A mother's arms desires her rebel sons. So Mother Parvati, they go and she welcomes all of them. That is how she can create that harmony between the rat and the snake and you know <laughs> all kinds of creatures who are mutually who would fight with each other because she is that. So this is the story of the, now the Divine Mother, she sees Mighty Mother's dumb felicity, dumb felicity in matter. So how does he know that she is hiding there? He sees that there is some glint of joy somewhere. You see, even in utter darkness, often people say, you know, what is there in darkness? Light is not there, some people are afraid. But if you just try to muse in that state, you will still feel a glint of joy. This real uh, material level experience I've had in uh, Siachen at the base camp. So the sun sets very early and the moon doesn't come up because you are between the mountains. So the sun will set around 4 o'clock. The moon may not come by 10 o'clock. So now, you know, if you take a walk, because it's all barren and nude, Several times wearing all kinds of jacket and everything. I have gone near the Shiok River because it's such a beautiful. I can't forget that. No landscapes. I mean, there are mountains in the background, but because it's the thick of night. So you walk by the side of that thin little stream. It's so exhilarating. Simply because of that loneliness, you recover all the joy of the world. <laughs> so you feel that joy. There is no light, but there is joy. There is no life, but there is joy. Because it's just there and you can enter into the ecstatic trance. It's an amazing experience which you can have in mountains in this way. Of course, yogis don't need to go to mountains. They go into the inner mountains. But even in world, there are landscapes which are like that. So he sees musing amid the inconscient silences. Even in the silence, who is hidden? When darkness was dense and wrapped within darkness, he was seated within it, immense and alone. The mighty mother's dumb felicity. So what happens when Shiva looks at her? Look at the beauty of this. Half now awake, she rises to his glance. Who looked at me? There is a poem of Sri worth reading. It's a Bangla poem translated in English. Very powerful poem. The mother awakes. But that's in a Kali robe because she's in the inconscient. So she wakes up as Kali. Suddenly there is restlessness, tumult. She wakes up as Kali. And it's a very powerful poem. Its name is The Mother is Awakes. And then in that poem, he, is, he describes Purusha and Prakriti as two beings, a young boy and young girl, forever in love. That young girl, because she is nature. You know, nature never grows old. We grow old, but nature never grows old. She knows how to renew herself. And the young boy, the psychic being is ageless. 
so that two are engaged in each other with each other and kissing each other it's a, you, you observe that it's a, that poem and it's amazing so that's only in the pdf file of bangla writings we translated in english in cwsa bangla writings you won't find it i mean it's there in bengali so half now awake she rises to his glance so why evolution is happening because the divine has looked upon the inconscient just imagine in about psychic being also shirbindu says determining predestined act uh, name and form by the glance just because it looks it wakes up then move to circling by her heart beats will which way she will go her heart tells her which way to go love tells her the rhythmic words describe that passion dance she is going to the lord it's a joyous journey so people who want to go to the divine with grim seriousness the lord will say please you are coming to anand mein why are you so serious and grim many stories to tell but uh, i'll not but you see several places you will read mother's conversations people have painted an image of both shorbindu and the mother this is the work of the asura that they were very serious so with shorbindu had to correct that notion he says oh you mean to say what kind of uh, what rubbish that is how he starts notions do you have of an unsmiling shorbindu that was how nevinshan described me but shorbindu's smile is amazing look at his half a smile is enough to give your life for that there is the smile of the lord and mother you see in several places uh, you will read so suddenly mother says in bracket it will be written mother laughs thank god somebody has noted that mother laughs you can hear it obviously in the conversation gurgling laughter laughter of the gods mother laughs eh she will say eh so and then mother laughs one of the places she goes to the supramental world and then she sees what they value the supramental world and she says i woke up with an uncontrollable laughter why mother why were you laughing because i realized none of your values have any meaning there she is like mother all this idea about ascetic purity purity and sanctity of marriage is no meaning there you are not allowed entry with all this why because all these are rules which are made by prajapati not by the their divine is acts in freedom and infinity so she says okay but tell us what is required she says wideness and plasticity and equanimity <laughs> not less not easier more difficult but nevertheless so there it is then move to circling by her heart beats will her heart beat creates the rhythms of the world that's how others experience of 1962 the beatings of the heart become the rhythms of the worlds the rhythmic worlds describe that passion dance this passion dance is the dance of creation known as lasya it brings ananda and you can actually see if you look at uh, sometimes a whole year passing by um there's uh, nice little images but see it in fast forward and it's amazing it really looks like a dance just imagine just imagine to the mind earth is moving we all know moving around the sun we know it but science will tell us like a cold abstract thing you know earth is moving around the sun but what is happening along with that moon is moving what is the moon doing it is drawing the waters towards itself now imagine what is the moon doing moon is literally drawing the waters and the earth moves and again the water falls just pictureize it it is something so beautiful moon is also playing a role it is carrying the light of the sun and it starts drawing the water just imagine water is going towards moon but earth is following the sun and then it falls and again it draws and again it falls if you look at it from time lapse photography it will be amazing to watch that it's literally as if it is being renewed each moment by the energy of the moon that is the ro- role it has it uh, renews itself life springs in her and mind is born so out of the inconscient dumb felicities matter then suddenly because the lord she recognizes the lord so life springs in her and then because she has to go to the lord so who has to become the mediator mind 
mind must become the mediator between life and the supramental world towards which she must go life springs in her and mind is born her face she lifts to him who is herself she recognizes they are not two they appear as two in creation separated by time and space when you experience the separation in time and space you are two when you are united regardless of time and space then there is the eternal union so there is the she wakes up and says oh it is myself my own truth she lifts to him who is herself until the spirit leaps into the spirit's embrace so she lifts towards him and sees so this is the last point of nature where nature in her upheavings looks at the divine and says so hamas me i am that and then the divine says oh you recognized me Till you are in a religious sense, so oh God is out there, and I am here, poor fellow. So God says, "You want to play by this rule? Okay, fine. I'll play by this rule." But the day you wake up, and a time comes when within nature something rises and leaps and says, "Thou art myself concealed." When Mother was asked, "Who is the divine?" Several definitions he has given. One of them is uh, this: the divine is uh, who? Who am I? That was the question. Now you see several kinds of on this books are written all this. Mother gave a one line answer. Who am I? Mother says the divine in many disguises. <laughs> so what does he do when every time we have problems? He is stripping off one disguise, and we say no, 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 please let it remain. No, no, no. I'll show you who you are. But this is such a nice disguise, no? I'm a good guy. Oh, you want to remain good guy? Okay, wait for another century. then he strips you bare step by step so she reaches and then she recognizes that who is she there there is a union between nature and soul between the divine and the shakti they are not two they are one so when she reaches that point where she recognizes that who is the lord herself that's where she recognizes that the division is a false thing it's a artificial creation it's the biggest falsehood to dig an abyss between matter and spirit between the world and god but how to bridge it when you reach that point you can't bridge it before that it's not by thought that you can bridge it so you reach that point she recognizes and when she recognizes then what happens the lord says ah so you got it yes lord what a game do you still feel the suffering are now you are there what suffering it's nothing and they rush into each other's embrace so we'll read this wonderful poem i want to just go on and on but you know we'll <laughs> sum it up i'm reminded of that story of nizamuddin when his disciple amir khusro comes he uh, from his retinue he gives away everything because somebody who is coming from nizamuddin side is carrying a pair of sandals of nizamuddin and he recognizes he says these sandals will you give me yes what price he says if i give you all of this is it okay he says yes now oh, in his retinue is a minister you have hathi goda palki everything is there and then with his sandals he puts it on his forehead and goes to his master so master smiles and puts it in his feet master says how expensive was it and amir khusro the disciple says very cheap very cheap lord very cheap i had only part with material things <laughs> this is love love is not what we think of you know this is love and the highest love between the uh, child and the divine mother between the disciple and the master where you are ready to abandon everything and in its peak between the divine nature and the supreme lord so first we must upgrade this a process of upgradation is going on so you know backup things are going on so sometimes our nature may appear faulty but it's because upgrading is going on but a time comes when the nature recognizes herself as the lord one with the lord and then it's the lord's play when will the divine life come when each when the strongest boy in the crowd or the strongest girl and the sweetest boy something like that <laughs> like krishna and kali shedding all shame and sin where all we have come they laugh together 
So that's when the new world. Why? Because they'll recognize. You'll recognize in all this the play of the Lord and His spouse. So I'll just read it and we'll stop. Shiva on the white summit of eternity, a single soul of bare infinities, guarded, he keeps by a fire screen of peace. Fire screen. It's not, not an inconscient peace. It's a tremendous peace, powerful peace. It's a power. Fire screen of peace. Peace that comes by tapasya, his mystic loneliness of nude ecstasy. The mountains guard the sweetest streams inside their heart. But touched by an immense delight to be. He looks across. What is this immense delight to be? Again, the same divine mother. She has become inconscient, but here she is saying, wake up. You know, I am there also. So it's that seizes upon that nothingness and he begins to. He looks across unending depths and seas, musing amid the inconscient silences, the mighty mother's dumb felicity. Half now awake, she rises to his glance, then moved to circling by her heartbeat's will. The rhythmic words describe that passion dance. Life springs in her and mind is born. Her face she lifts to him who is herself until the spirit leaps into the spirit's embrace. So this is the last bit of the symbol. Parvati and Shiva's union is described as Shivalingam where you have the lingam and the yoni is the union of divine soul and material nature. But in the legend of Sati, wherever the part of the mother has felt Sati, you know that it has to be, it is in a place which is rocky. Have you ever thought why? Even in the plains like Gaya, it will be on a rocky spot because rocks are symbol of material nature. Even there it is the same effort. So the story of creation is the story of union of Nature, Prakriti and the soul, Purusha. And where that happens, there there is beauty, there there is love, there there is delight. Namaste.